Yeah, hello. Welcome to the show. LE2B. I'm Tom McCaffrey. I'm here with Eric Bronstein, Eric B. Um, and uh, before we start, uh, you know, rate and review this podcast. And um, please consider uh, going to our Patreon, LE2B, Last Exit to Brooklyn, um, and joining. You get um, special benefits and you get exclusive access to a lot of shows that we have up. But... Um, are not available to people who are not on Patreon. So we'd really appreciate that. Okay. Let's get into it. Yeah. How you doing? A lot going on. Yeah. Still a lot of things. Things are happening. There's balloons uh, flying all over the place. Now they're shooting them all down. Do you, do you, did you hear there's more, there's more of those balloons that, that I think are coming from China or something like that? Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't really been following it cause I, I don't really know what, I just, it's like, there's already like enough shit to be afraid of. Do I really need that now? Just balloons in the sky. I mean, I just feel like that's the problem is everyone just gets so scared of everything. Um, right. I have a lot more direct, you know, problems in my life besides balloons. <laughs> like that's where we are now. We're afraid of balloons. Well, are you upset about Rihanna's performance? I like how last night at the Super Bowl, people are shitting on her. Like everyone just shits on the Super Bowl performance, no matter what it is. But I thought she was fine. I thought she was good. Did you see it? What was I thought it? Yeah, I thought it was good. But what are they mad at? Because she's pregnant? Is that what everyone's <laughs> yes, mad about? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, first of all, she's pregnant. She's doing these like amazing things while she's pregnant. Let's see you do fucking anything. Not yet. Whoever is fucking shitting on her. Um, right. And I don't know, was there, she sounded fine. She sounded exactly like Rihanna sounds. Yeah. And some people saying, oh, she was lip syncing. I think they always lip sync in the Super Bowl. You know, they have I don't to. think she was. I think there was like a backing vote. What was the thing uh, Donald Trump was shitting on her before? Like saying she has no talent. This, the, the Donald Trump thing, it's just like, <laughs> I, I mean, the, the fact that anyone can't see through, like Rihanna has no talent. Is that what's going on? Right, right, right. right. But, and what? So you? So Trump has some talent or something? Like I've seen Trump dance. It's like horror. It's literally horrifying. <laughs> but and Rihanna's I, bad. I feel like he's losing a little bit because now he's attacking that guy Ron DeSantis, and he's having all these nicknames. You know, we always have these nicknames that were always stuck. But he's coming yeah. up with these nicknames that are terrible, like Ron DeSant Sanctimonious. I'm like, just say right. Ron DeSantis. Fucking, I just here. Yeah, I, Donald right. Trump, I don't want to help you, but I kind of do because I hate Ron DeSantis. So just do that. Um, and I don't, I don't think his base, especially, knows what sanctimonious means. I, do you think I that most of them know. I mean, I kind of. Does that mean kind of um, weak or something, or like too uh, let's, sympathetic? Let's. I should actually look it up. But uh, yeah, I think it's like. Is it arrogant? No. Oh, is it? I, yeah, no. maybe that's what it is. Let me see. He's saying. Oh, sanctimonious. So it's really sanctimonious. So, monious. I don't. Uh, it, whatever yeah, it is, I don't uh, yeah, think making a sh Oh, my God. Making a show of being morally superior to other people. I mean, isn't that he just describing himself? <laughs> Fucking projects but also much? like, oh, yeah, wow, that really hurts. Um, yeah. No. And so anyway, I was watching. Um, so, yeah, did you watch the Super Bowl? Uh, some of it. Obviously. I just I was working. Yeah. Um, oh, right. You're probably doing a show. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fine. I, I mean, it was a good game. It was close. Right. Rihanna, you know, they had all the commercials. Um, 
That's about yeah. it. That's all you can really say at this point, right? No, I, I watched all the commercials ahead of time, you know, so I could focus because they put them on YouTube, you know, now. And it basically the whole thing is now every commercial in the Super Bowl Hall has a celebrity. That's all it is now. Right. And a lot right. of them were bad. A lot of them were like, you can yeah. tell they're just they're, And that's the thing now that's been going on for a while is they're, they're obsessed with nostalgia from the 90s yeah. and 80s. Like, it's it's funny how all the nostalgia and all the marketing and advertising and stuff that they, the media they put out is geared towards us, kind of. It kind of makes yeah. me feel <laughs> relevant again, in a way. But I can't, I kind of was figuring out, I think it's because now the young generation, they're so fractured and no one's paying attention to a universal thing. So right. what can you even have to appeal to them? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even Rihanna, I mean, she's big, but she's more like 10 years ago, basically, you know? Um, yeah. I, yeah. I just, uh, I mean, I was surprised at the comedy shows like last night. I'm like, oh, we're going to have nobody. We had a good amount of people because there's still a bunch of people who give two fucks about the fo- Super Bowl. I thought I thought football was like done. I thought everyone was mad at it, like because everyone was getting hurt and then the kneeling and then, but it's back or something. I guess. Well, I, well, I remember like years ago. See, the, a lot of the Super Bowl commercials are boring because years ago they would have these edgy ones. You remember the Go Daddy ones where they would have the girls' tits and stuff, and they would be firing hamsters at the wall, and they were funny commercials. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. And they were really funny commercials. It was like, how dare you show this at the Super Bowl? There's kids watching. And I'm like, so it's okay for the kids to watch these guys get CTE on the fucking playing field, get concussion after concussion. But if they right. see a woman's you know, breasts or Janet Jackson's tits or whatever, they're going to fucking yeah. lose their minds. Remember that was like the, the biggest thing that ever happened. Yeah. Um, what would the- you rather your kids see? Uh, what would you rather your kid do play football or see Janet Jackson's tits? <laughs> um, you know, that's a, that's a tough question. That's uh, that's like Sophie's choice. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess Janet Jackson's, t- she, I mean, it was covered kind of, right. Yeah. Um, the nipple, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just sort of, I, yeah, that was the whole thing. I thought, I thought it had been ruined by all the bad press where everyone was, you know, getting brain damage right after their career ended. That just ruined yeah. their lives. But apparently, <laughs> and then there were two people that just got really injured, right? Like the guy in the Bills. Yeah, they and, they, um, they brought him out. The one who had a heart attack, you know. Then yeah. there was a, it was so funny because there's this guy Dak Prescott who's the quarterback for the. Dallas Cowboys and they gave him some humanitarian award before the before the game because he did some humanitarian thing. I don't know what he did, but something good. But everyone booed him because it was a bunch of Eagles fans there and he's on Dallas. Oh, I saw that. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were booing a guy who was winning an award for charity or something. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, those are Eagles fans. Those are the same guys who, like they said, win or lose, they were going to burn down their city, which they I think they kind of did. Remember a few years ago, the Eagles fans won. They won the Super Bowl. Some, some someone was caught on camera eating horse shit from a police horse. Why? Because they're crazy. Philly fans are notorious. No yeah, yeah. I um, the only th- I always just uh, um, like remember Bill Burr's set at Philly, where he's just yeah. they're they're screaming at him the whole time. He's just shitting on them and about how their their main sports star is is a guy who doesn't exist. Yeah, Rocky, <laughs> Rocky Balboa. Um. Yeah, and then I uh, the, the other thing too is at the end there was a really controversial call where they called holding on a Philadelphia Eagles player, mm-hmm. and 
that kind of sealed the win for um, Kansas City. But I think they would have won anyway. But when that happened, I was like, oh, man, those yeah. fans are going to tear the city apart. <laughs> I mean, it, it was kind of a bad call. Yeah. It was a rough call in the Super Bowl. I mean, I was like, really? In the last two minutes of the Super Bowl? Yeah. And they, they kept replaying and it wasn't really holding. But uh, I bet money and I won. So I bet oh. on KC. Yeah. Oh, how much you win? Uh, just like a few thousand. No, not not much. Like a hundred dollars. Oh. I don't really go nuts betting, but you know, whatever. So, do you want to? So we have a guest here. Is yeah, it I'm in gonna, the waiting room. I'm gonna bring him in the room, but we'll keep talking until he comes in. But yeah, overall, it was uh, kind of entertaining. Oh, there he is. Here he is. <laughs> How are you? I'm well. How are you? Nice okay. to meet you. Nice to right. meet you. Um, we're going to give you an intro right now. We're going to give you an intro, so let's let's do it. Um, from uh, football and head injuries, we're going to go into <laughs> our guests. <laughs> so great, great segue. Um, okay, so um, my head injuries were not were not gotten from football, <laughs> just from um, playwriting. Uh, well, let's see, bike riding and being deployed, uh, with the United States Navy and special warfare unit in Kuwait. Oh, okay. wow. Well, all right. Well, I, I was not going to have that in the intro, but, um, all right, let's do it. Okay. Right. Well, oh, that's wow. all right. Let's get into it. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> well, it's pretty badass. I read your bio and I didn't, was not expecting that from the bio <laughs> I read. Um, okay. So she uh, said, yeah. <laughs> so our guest is, um, a playwright, writer, director. Um, he graduated from NYU and he graduated from Yale. And um, he's a member. Of, he founded the uh, Gorilla Rep Theater and he's directed film versions of a couple of plays. Let me see if I can pronounce these correctly um, Hamlet <laughs> and Macbeth. I haven't heard um, of those before. I feel like I've heard of those. Please give it up for our guest, <laughs> Christopher Carter Sanderson. How are you? I'm well. Hello, What's Brooklyn. Up? What's up? Hello, Brooklyn. Special <laughs> shout out to Ditmas and uh, you know my old my old haunts out in Brooklyn. Nice. Are you um Are you in New Bed York? Bed Stuy, yo. Bed Stuy. <laughs> yeah. I think Bed Stuy now is like is like um, Williamsburg, basically. <laughs> Williamsburg, except it's mostly owned by black people, so that's good. Well, it's like uh, I think a lot of like sorority girls moved in. I think Bed Stuy is not. I I I knew a girl. Don't say who, like, it. Don't say it, man. Aww. Was from Dallas, and she um just was like a sorority girl, and I asked her where she lived, and she was like, "Oh, Bed Stuy," and I was like, "Really?" Yeah. I was like, "Because huh. I was like, isn't that where Biggie's from?" <laughs> um, but I think it's changed a little bit. The Bushwick now is the very yeah. that's where all they all. So go. all right, so sure. so how you doing? It's nice to meet you. I, yeah, I'm an old New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker from years and years back. Yeah. Nice. So you did you um so you you have an MFA from Yale? Yeah. What did you Filthy study Ed there? Card. Directing. Okay, and um, which is weird because I was already a professional director doing Shakespeare. I when you went weird. there, yeah. What and I mean I know Yale has like you know an, a, a stellar reputation Yale grad and because uh, yeah. I um I, I went to SMU way. what put it this way to you when I was in the United States Navy you know drill officers and and officers people I was enlisted man special warfare you know uh, coastal warfare and they kept saying you know well this is going to be real hard well this is gonna be real hard and I kept shaking my head saying nah man 
I went to Yale Drama School. This is nothing. This is nothing. Is, it's all good, man. Is that how uh, it was just super competitive and um, high pressure? Well, you know, it's funny because sometimes every once in a while over my like what now, 36 year career, you know, and people are and I'm constantly getting I've got like over 25 New York Times reviews. And like every once in a while, an actor who started to work with me will say the comment. I'll say something to him. Right. And he'll say, no pressure. Right. And I'll say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> OK, I live for the pressure and I, I want people in here who live for the pressure. Do I need to recast you? <laughs> you know um, so like yeah was it pressurized sure i mean come on it was all these incredible people who were like all used to being the giant in the room right you know they used to be in the one who like you know everybody oh good thing we got that guy good thing we got that guy you know from the designers the actors everybody and then suddenly they're all in one room you know and so we were working i mean the thing that made it high pressure is we were we had our first class at 8 a.m and all of us wanted to do all the shows and all the classes. We want to take advantage of every second. And then we all really wanted to go over to the Yale Cabaret, where they let us do whatever we wanted to do. So we were all working like on stuff and in rehearsal until nine at night. And then we all ran over to the cabaret to work until one in the morning. So it was like high pressure in that sense. Like you just don't want you want you don't want to miss a minute. You just don't how how long? How many years is the um, directing? Uh curriculum three right is that the same for like the acting also yeah so when yeah. you were there i mean because i mean yale you know the great the, the graduates from yale go all out oh, and go on yeah. to have huge careers so when brian you were there Tyree. were there any huge what brian, Ty brian he was mm -hmm. he was there really yep walked in i was like wow look at the talent shining off that man i said um, man hi can i introduce myself he's like yeah i'm brian i'm like hey i'm christopher I'm like where are you from? He's like, well, uh, you probably never heard of it, but it's a place called, you know, I just graduated from Morehouse. And I'm like, Morehouse in Atlanta? Power, power. Yes. Fantastic. I'm just delighted with where he's gone. And yeah, there's a whole bunch of people over there. Yeah. Who are some of the so, famous ones? I just would yell drama, right? Uh, just uh, in the big ones. Well, are here's, like, the, here, here's the way to think about yell drama, right? Mm -hmm. Is go on to Wikipedia. And like, just, and like, you know, like every drama place, there's like, you know, here's a list of our famous guys. Here's a list of our famous guys. And like with Yale, it's like, here's a little description of Yale. And then like, here's all the famous people, <laughs> all the famous <laughs> actors and directors and playwrights. And like, oh man, David Henry Wang. And you know, on yeah. and on. It's just uh, uh, Ron Jones. You know, Ron Jones, he wrote Weeds. Oh, you know, wow. Uh, yeah. Was you know, I mean, yeah. M Meryl Streep? So, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I've heard her. Whatever happened to her? <laughs> um, yeah, seriously. she was. Um, so, how, what was your? You went. You went there later. You you went to Yale yeah. later. So what? what I went was there when path? Brian was there. Brian was a year below me. Um, Brian McMahon. Which is, he must have been there. So that was recently. Because how old is Brian Tyree? Like he's super young, isn't he? Or he seems young. Yeah, and he looks younger than he is. He's one of those great great people out of that gift um as well but um yeah no i went to um i went to uh nyu in 1990 which was like i dropped out of high school so that was like probably about three years late from what i should have done and then i graduated from the drama school in 2005 what was that uh what was nyu like did you study theater there awesome. i went to nyu for one reason and one reason only i was working my way up i worked my way up from sous chef from dishwasher to sous chef in a haute cuisine restaurant in Charlottesville, Virginia. And one one moment, one night, when I finished putting up the stocks and, and finishing all the stuff, I just had this epiphany. And I was like, 
this is not the way I want my life to go. It's not bad. I love cooking, but I need to apply to NYU. I need to get in. I need to be there with the top professional people who, for the future, I need to determine which ones of them are going to be professionals and I need to work with them immediately. So I put in my application the next day. It's the only place I applied to. I got there and I had my first professional show produced and directed in New York City before Thanksgiving break of freshman year. Mm. Wow. So were I came you to all... New York to make it happen. Wow. Did you um did you and, always were you always interested in Shakespeare? Was that like the yeah, going since I was in? 12. Really? Sure, think about Shakespeare. Yeah, I picked I pulled Shakespeare off the off the off the shelf because I asked my I asked my mom one time, like, so now that I'm reading and stuff, like I, I thought reading was measured in how, how good you could read was measured in how long the book you could read was, right? And I and still I said, think that. Yeah, yeah, right, right. War and peace, motherfucker. War and peace. Um, so, uh, so like, yeah, she's like, yeah, you can read anything. I was like, can I read that? And she's like, sure. I pulled down Macbeth, and I read it, and I was, and I read it, and I was done. I said, Mom. She's like, yeah. And she's like, I was like, why do all these people in here talk like Aunt Ida Sue? And um, because we're all from this really small part of Virginia called the Tidewater area where a bunch of people from England showed up like 50 or 60 years before the country started. And then they just stayed there and they like married each other a lot. And, um, I actually had, a, I was, I had a really strong Southern accent until I was five and it was beat out of me on a playground oh. in Kansas city. As a matter of fact, um, uh, you've been all, you know, you've been all yeah. over the place. Tell you what, man, I lived a life and I love it. I mean, at the same time, there were downsides. I'm here to tell you, I, mean, I haven't had a drink in 24 years. Thank God. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh, I, just wow. a, I just drank a beer right now. I'm sorry. I know. I was going to say, I just <laughs> good, saw Eric take, good, a, good, take good. a sip of a beer. If you can, if you can, you should. You know, what happened to me is I would get really drunk and I would try to kill myself. So after the third attempt, you know, I woke up the next day. I tried to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge that night. And I woke, <laughs> Wait, up, the next okay. day and I, I woke up the next day and I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to get it right one of these days, even if I'm fucking drunk. I'm going to get it right. <laughs> so <laughs> that, luckily, a friend of mine, you know, Help me walk into my first help. Wow. Um, I can't believe trying to kill yourself uh, after drinking a beer. The only time I've ever done that is after I drank like Michelob Ultra, but that was because it was horrible beer. So. That's because you're a normal person and <laughs> I'm retarded and, and you can drink a beer. I can't. I can drink a beer, which will mean that I'll wake up a couple days later in bed with a transvestite I don't know. Couple yeah. couple of zip codes away. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I I haven't drank in a while too, and now it's better. I wake up next to transvestites that I know, so that's better. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm, I'm like, saying. I'm you like, well, I really thank God I got it together. It's oh, by the way, transgender. Oh. Let's just get that right because I that word you can't use anywhere. It's which sucks. What I don't transvestite? Yeah, that just means a dude who dresses up like a woman. That's all. It's yeah. not the same as a dude who's trying to be a woman. That's different. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. And now I just bungee j- jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> See, I'm among intelligent and responsible people. I yeah. That for a while. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so I studied theater and I went to college and I studied theater. I went to SMU theater school. And so oh, I yeah. was around a lot Southern of Methodist uh, university. Yeah. So I was, you know, you know, around a lot of, you know, uh, actorly types and directors and playwrights and which was great. I mean, cause it was, it did kind of expand my horizons artistically and creatively. And, um, when I was there, that was where I first heard about, you know, Yale drama. People were always, a lot of people were going from SMU into Yale drama. And, uh, that's where I first heard the, the rep that it had and that it was almost like 
So when you go there, is there kind one of, of my a favorite? Sense? Is one there... of my favorite stage managers from the time I was there is named Sean Cinnamon, and he he's from straight out of SMU. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Respect. What? Um. So when you're there, is there kind of a feeling of like, do they even tell you, or is there just a feeling of, oh, this is the, we're like the best, you know what I mean? Of kind of, um, do you know what I mean? Because it's such a prestigious school, you don't seem to. Did that not? Was that not your experience? Doesn't um, it seem like Top Gun of you know <laughs> creatives? Um. Well. Uh. Yeah. Sure. Um. <laughs> well, I think he was also in Kuwait fighting wars, so maybe he didn't think as much about it. It was cool. You know, the funny thing is, I went. I went into the Navy the summer after I finished uh, Yale School of Drama. So wait. So you went to you went into the military after you went to school. I went through basic training and, and joined special warfare at the age of 40. And I, I have some questions. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, why'd you do that? I mean, just would you were just patriotic? Yeah, how did that happen? Yeah. What? I wanted to serve my country. I, I've always wanted to serve my country. You know, the, wow. the recruiter asked me the same question and I said, well, you know, I mean, my family's been in this country since 1740 on one side and 1690 on the other side. And I've got two uncles, two great uncles that I lost in the battle of the bulge. You know, wow. my cousin Ivan kind of lost his brains in the in Vietnam, and you know, and I'm related to George Washington. You know, through like both his mother and his wife, which if you think about it, means he married his cousin. I'm also, <laughs> you know, I'm related to Robert E. Lee, right? Through Washington, because Washington's related to Robert E. But Robert E. Lee's mother's maiden name is Carter. That's my middle name. I'm also a Carter and related to Lee, which means my parents were cousins. I admit it. But the the other side is that like, and so the the, the recruiter is like, wait, wait, so you're you're Lieutenant Dan. Except I'm getting fucking old, man, and I'm about to not, you know, be able to get in on anything. So it's about time. And also, I noticed that to answer your question about, you know, sort of the upsold drama. One thing from the inside was that I noticed was the directors, like, would could would have a year where they where they weren't working after they got out of the drama school because when they applied to to jobs inside the drama when they were still in the drama school. The jobs would be like, you're great. We'd really love to hire you, but we don't want to hire you in your second year and have you drop out and just come straight to the job because then you didn't graduate from the drama school. So all the directors are like graduating and then spending a year looking for jobs and then getting a pretty good job. So I was like, well, that year in there, you know, uh, how the fuck am I going to eat in that year? Um, and part of me was like, well, you never did actually join the military and you're getting a little bit old. I was like, well, right. So I had this date to um, meet the officer recruiter at my club in new in, in new haven to talk about being in the navy and uh you know and he calls me up the day before and he's like hey i just have you know we chat a little bit you know how it is you want to be cool and then chat a little bit and then he's like hey i have one more question man how old did you say you were again and at the time i was like 39 i was like 39 he's like oh you're too old even for us even with even with gulf war uh exception sorry about that yeah. and then like as he was hanging up the phone he was like but you can call the enlisted side if you want to click <laughs> motherfucker and i picked up the phone and i called the enlisted recruiter i said man i want to serve my country so you know it, i was old it took him a little while to convince the recruiting board to take me but luckily uh i was drilling on weekends with the united states navy reserve uh the entire last semester of my graduate experience and you were there uh, during the iraq war right i mean the, the you said 2000 yeah okay so what was so what was that like i mean what, what was that like and how long were you involved in that <laughs> 
I mean, was it terrifying? Well, all right, yeah. we're going to be here for a while, huh? I'm going to try to explain what war is, being at war is like. Well, well just give what. us the, uh, just give us the, um, you know, the casting elevator pitch. Sucks. <laughs> the casting sucks. Like, nobody looks like, the, they don't look like they look in the movies. Like, right. every officer looks doesn't look like he should be an officer, she should be an officer. Every enlisted people, you're like, you're dealing with them, you're doing your thing, and you're like, this doesn't look like a movie set up. Are they good at taking direction? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. That, yeah, it's all good. I mean, I, so I, was, was it wasn't like, like Private else. Ryan where everyone there, right? In that movie, like everyone got famous in that movie. It, it wasn't was like, like Matt Damon and Vin Diesel. And... <laughs> Nobody looked like Vin Diesel. Nobody looked like Matt Damon. All due respect to everybody. Um, you know, yeah. So uh, it was interesting, you know, I, I am, I think, the only former member of the United States Navy who received the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal wow. for teaching theater to Gulf State Nationals. So that's a funny story. Wow. What's uh, what's that like, teaching theater to Gulf I thought State it was great. Nationals. I thought it was great, man. As soon as they trusted me, they just started opening up with these questions. Like, they were like, you know, um, I'm an Arab. And I'm like, well, duh, it's, we're in the middle of Kuwait, man. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm an Arab. And, and, I'm an, and I'm like, I don't, I'm sorry. I know you think you're saying something, but I don't know what he's like. I'm trying to say, would you hire me as an actor? Because I'm an Arab. And I was like, of course I would. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, come on. If you do the job well and you want, yeah, of course. it was. So there's a lot of cultural right. work to be done. And it was weird being in, you know, Arab culture and theater these days it's actually the whole idea that men and women are in the same room is mm. hard for them. So that's kind of how I got the job actually, weirdly enough. Um, it's pretty cool. You know, I was, it was all right. I was, I was like crawling the wall. Look, anyone who tells you that war is 99.99999% bored out of your skull. And then like zero, 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 1% terrified for your life. They are right. That is exactly my experience. But during the board part, you know, I'm eating the same five meals a day at Kuwait Naval Base, which sounds like Kuwait United States Navy. It's not. It was the Kuwaiti Navy base. And we were, were like a guest. So we had a bunch of like trailers and shit. And we're like sorting out with our patrol boats from there. And it was like, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I love being in the Navy. I love the boats, blah, 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 studying for promotion. I got promoted, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was also skull crackingly boring. I watched Casino Royale literally 250 times. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I'm like, I'm like, I'm so it wasn't. A t- yeah. So, so here's what so I it wasn't that boring. <laughs> I looked around. Right. I looked. So, right. Exactly. So I looked around and I was like, you know, fuck it. You know, I've done so much teaching theater. I wonder if anyone. You know, I just on a wild hair, I was like, I wonder if there's like a college in Kuwait City. So I looked it up. There was actually American American University of Kuwait. I looked at the website and the guy was a one man show running the drama department. Right. Mm-hmm. And he had actually gone to the Globe and got his MFA and he had done wow. some regional theater. And I was like, I think I know some people that know this guy. <clears throat> so I got him on the phone and like we, we, we phoned back and forth and chatted and talked shop for a few days. But then finally, like. I was like, it was a little weird that he wasn't, I mean, I was, he wasn't kind of picking up what I was putting down about coming to visit or something, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, I just, you know, I was like, I was like, oh, you know, so one day we were saying goodbye and I was like, well, you know, it's been awesome talking shop with you and stuff, but like, um, you know, I really, really think I, if we could maybe get permission for me to visit, you know, if you want to, like, is something wrong? And he's like, no, it's not that there's something wrong. It's that Arab culture and theater are weird. So I bought a little, I bought six books for my students about new and different ways of doing theater that might get around those barriers. 
And the thing that's blowing my mind is that one of those books was your book. Mm. And it's just freaking me out that like the guy who wrote this book is calling me from the fucking Navy base, which by the way was sealed off. Like we were not allowed out of it. No one was allowed in. We were not allowed off base. So it was, it was a big difficult deal, but the, the U S embassy weighed in and said, send him over there. So I got to go over and visit the campus and teach Shakespeare and talk to the guys. And the, at the time, were they, were they into it? Were they into Shakespeare? Into yeah. They loved it. They were like, yeah, people like this in New York. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they do. New York Shakespeare. It's all good. Yeah. Have, it gets so weirder. Have, the story gets weirder if you want. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things is I've done a workshop of, of Hamlet. I've directed Hamlet five times at this point. So I directed Hamlet my third time. It was a workshop in New York. I knew I was deploying. So I got a guy to do it. Really wonderful guy. But I feel like sort of, you know, we sort of texted as the wheels were going up on the plane to take me 13 hours to Kuwait. And he was like, look, this was cool, but I'm really not into the whole gorilla rep thing you know i'm gonna move on to other stuff i really don't want to uh, to do that uh, when you do it because i was planning to do it if i was alive to get when i got back right and i was like wow i just like wow what a great way to what a great time to quit playing hamlet i'm like <laughs> wait, wait. all right fuck it so you know i'm just like whatever i'll try to cast it when i get back but here's the thing i was on the campus with this guy right this guy is like six i'm six two he's got to be like six four this guy the guy who's teaching right Blonde, blue eyes, but a little bit on the little bit on the dad bod side, just a little bit. And if you know Hamlet, you know at the end of Hamlet when they're fighting, Gertrude, his mother, comes to him and and like you know tries to wipe up his sweat and says and turns to the audience and says he's fat, fat and scant of breath. Right? <laughs> this guy was both a lady killer, super handsome, but a little bit, you know, a little dad bod. You know, so we do all this work. We do all this work, right? With all these students, and they're like, great, it's going great. The students are loving me. I'm loving them. It's a lot of fun. You know, so we go outside and, and I'm like, hey, man, <clears throat> but you're an actor, right? I know this is really rude, but like, do you want to show me some monologues? I'd love to see your work. And he's like, oh, my God, I haven't worked since I've been here. I'd love to show you my monologues. Shows me a monologue. I'm like, hey, it's great. Can I direct it a little bit the way I would do it? He's like, yeah, please, please go ahead. We had this great jam session. You know, he's doing this, this, you know, wonderful. Goes outside for a cigarette. And he's like, fuck, I've got to act again. And I said, hey, man, you got to come to New York City and play Hamlet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And he did. Was he a good Hamlet? Fucking best Hamlet ever. The first, like, the first three quarters of the New York Times review talks about how fucking great he was, and he was. He I have a, I have a Shakespeare question. So a lot of people over the years has, have played Hamlet. You know, I mean, I. Who do you think yeah. the all-time best, like, on in the movies was? You know, the the document. Henry about... Austin, Chicago. Who? Henry Austin, Chicago. Definitely. That, that, was, that was a movie. Isn't yeah, that that's my Hamlet? That's the I Hamlet was going to say. Oh, that's okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good. So, um, so better than Mel Gibson, we'll say. <laughs> far better. <laughs> that's probably a low bar. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Watch. Can watch I? The movies. So, can I? Um, He's amazing. Henry's amazing. He's great. Um, is he Canadian? Is that what I was yeah. reading? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So. You you've done these two movies, well, you know Macbeth and uh, and Hamlet, but it's a very distinct style where it's basically close-ups. How did that? Oh, it's worse than that. It's close-ups and it's the nine sixteenth aspect ratio, so it's like TikTok or like right. FaceTime. Is uh, that why? Cool. But like, I was reading so. Past. Is that why? So it's kind of gotten some like on like um some momentum on TikTok and stuff because of that because it looks like that. And did you go oh. into that specifically for that reason? 
do do it that way? Uh, I just think it's the coolest thing to do. I, I think it started when I was on the F train and, and, and like 2003 and I was looking over people's shoulder and it was kind of a new thing that they were watching movies on their phone. And I was like, they're watching, you know, this way. And it was like a big mm. shot. And I'm like, it looks like a bunch of fucking stick, sick people. That's right. not a way to watch a movie. And I was like, no, it is a way to watch a movie. If you've already seen it before, it'll remind you of a movie. It's just the way not to make a movie. If you want people to watch it on their phones as well as their TV screens, as well as 35 foot screens. It's just that you need to just rotate it and do it all in close up. So in 2003, I tried to convince a cast of Macbeth. I had a three year running uh, production of Macbeth at the time, but they were all like, man, you're fucking nuts. Forget it. So I was like, okay. So I tried to fundraise for it in 2011. Didn't happen. And then suddenly on a Wednesday of lockdown, uh, Gil Holland had to call me and be like, hey, man, you know that, that movie you're pitching? You know, obviously lockdown, we can't do it. And that was like my biggest big league producer pitch mm. ever. <laughs> so I said, fuck. And I called up my friend Legato uh, Robinson, who had just had a great run. He did a huge uh, guest guest star turn on Bull. And he's an amazing guy. He was my writing partner for a while on a couple projects. We met in the theater a long time ago. It's like, dude, I got this crazy idea. It's all close-ups. You shoot it on your phone. You know, we'll get you a costume. We'll make it work. I just think you'd be the best Macbeth. And we talked about it. And by Monday, he said yes. And we started filming. Luckily, I've directed over 100 uh, you know, successful professional theater productions at this point. So I just started calling people you know, who, who I thought would be great. Luckily, I was able to cast it. And we were off to the races. So how do you do that? How do you like, what's that like to direct, to direct it in that um, capacity in terms of like? Well, you know, it sounds arcane, but the truth is it's the same as the video village. I don't know if you've ever been on a film set. Uh, yeah, yeah, where they're all watching it on the uh, on the video on the monitors. Well, the, the, the director needs to like go in and direct and get their hands dirty and you know work with the actors, but then they need to extract themselves and they need to look at a whole bunch of monitors that are inside kind of a tent to isolate themselves so they can just see the footage. Right. So really, it's actually no different than that. You know, the guys will will they need to set their cameras on the right settings. They need to get the costume going, get the green screen behind them, get it going. I look at some test footage. I'm like, that's great. We'll, we'll rehearse. We'll talk. Sometimes even we'll do a Zoom with a couple of the actors and like rehearse a scene. Um, but as soon as I feel like they know what I want, they'll tape it. They'll send it to me. I'll look at it. And then I'll just give them some notes, you know, like this, this, this. They'll do it. You know, I'm not a – I'm really big on communicating with the, the, the actor as a collaborator so that like I don't really need more. I really rarely take more than three takes to get what I'm looking for because we've talked about it before. We've done rehearsals like theater people and, and the vast majority of the actors I work with are, have, have done theater and mm. done TV and done film. So, you know, we have that. I even mm. call my first AD the stage manager. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm going to actually well, I have been a... in common with some great actors. Go ahead. I was going to play a clip. I'm just going to play the audio. Uh, just from your, from your, from your uh, reel here. Can I, uh, can I? Uh, oh, it's actually from the full Macbeth. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll just play a, a minute of it, if you, that's okay. By then, I know I am Thane of Glums, but how of Cardor? The Thane of Cardor lives, a prosperous gentleman, and to be king stands not within the prospect of belief, nor more than to be Cardor. Say, from whence you owe this strange intelligence, or why upon this blasted heat you stop our way with such prophetic greeting? That was. <laughs> He's Who's talking that? to the witches. He's talking yeah. to the witches. That's okay. Legato. That's Legato. He's talking to the witches, and that's Phil Cadet's score. Oh, oh yeah, Phil Cadet. Phil Cadet scores. He scored Hamlet now, and he's going to score Richard, and they're going to be all very, very different. I just, I'm so lucky with them. Be blessed with these people I work with. 
So can I? So when when you're making that, um, you, you said you do it on your iPhone. Well, the actor you, needs to shoot at 4K, and the actor mm. needs to shoot at 125 frames per second. So that so that can be their iPhone if they've got a good enough one. But mm. sometimes I actually have to mail my iPhone to an actor. Then they use it. Then they mail it back. Now I've actually had one or two guys that have DSLRs, and I just clip, you know, just cut it. And do they? So they film it, like so they're not interacting. They're doing. Yeah, their man, it was part. locked down. It was locked down. They couldn't leave mm. their house. But luckily, most of these guys are voiceover artists. In addition to doing film and television and theater, so you know, and most of them are doing self tapes. So like. You know, some people were like, wait, my self tape has a green screen. And I'm like, just get close to the camera. It'll work great. So do you so um, do you look at what they sent you and then do you give, give them, them notes, notes yeah. and then yeah. they send Retake. they do it again? Yeah. How long did that take you to do to like film it to actually to, just the filming? Get everything in the can. Uh, two months on Macbeth. Wow. And then it was the, very flexible. Did, you know, the thing to remember is it's very flexible. I mean, they can shoot that, you know. They need to shoot that scene. They can do it at any time of day. I had some actors that it was actually much more convenient for them to get to get in and on one day, get their head in the game, shoot all their dialogue from the whole thing and send it to me. And I would go through the whole thing and be like, I need a retake here, 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 and here are the notes. And then others would be like, like here's this scene. I'm like, cool. Can I get this retake? Here's this scene. You know, it's, it's very flexible for the actors. Were they, were, were a lot of them receptive to or were some of them more like uh i don't know that i can do that or like i mean i'm sure did some have more i don't know what you're talking about everybody loved it yeah um, listen uh listen i'll be real with you uh in the lockdown like yeah nine out of ten people were like oh man this is what i need this is going to distract me this, this yeah. is great and then every once in a while someone would be like have you lost your fucking mind you're working in the middle of this Christopher, yeah. you've been nuts before, but this is just, yeah, I, no. And I'd be like, hey, respect, respect. It's cool. Um, we had one guy who did agree to do it. And as he shot the role, like he he was from England, but he was stuck in Vancouver by the lockdown. And so he's like literally stuck in this little tiny hotel room. And so over the course of shooting, like I literally watched him mentally and break down until finally I was like, dude, I think you best not do this no more. And he's like, yeah, I just, I'm so sorry. I've carried on days after when I should have quit. And I'm like, let's just agree. It's all good. And he's like, yeah, okay, it's cool. <laughs> but the nice thing about this, this way of shooting, I just went and I reshot all of his with another actor. So it was really no harm, no foul, you know, give it a right. try. It doesn't, you know, one, one thing that directors are real assholes about is they won't let anyone else look through the eyepiece, you know, like take a look at what's going on. Mm -hmm. This is the opposite. I'm collaborating with the actor. They're going to look at that file and be like, okay, I look like an idiot. I'm going to retake that. And so by the time, you know, by the time I get their take, it's usually like their best take. And so it's just a little adjustment here or there, if anything at all, you know. Um, I have a um, question though, just about Shakespeare in general. I, I feel like people sure. have a, today people do have a great appreciation for Shakespeare. I think sometimes people don't realize how influential he was on everything. Like I talked oh, to yeah. this young comic once and he's like, he never seen Shakespeare. I'm like, have you seen The Lion King? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, you've seen Shakespeare. <laughs> it's just every movie and TV thing is somehow influenced. I think. Would you agree with that? Or? Have you watched Eminem? Have you listened to Eminem? Then you know the influence of Shakespeare. Bottom line. Wait, wait. Wow. Uh, M Eminem, really? <laughs> That's your favorite ra rapper. Right, I, 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 I love Eminem. I mean, like, I've been trying to get a hold of Marshall Mathers to be in one of my films since day one. 
Are you a huge fan of his? It's like asking if I'm a huge fan of the sun. It shines and it's bright and it's beautiful. Who the fuck is <laughs> Well, that was my that? next question. <laughs> there are people who are not fans of Eminem. What? I've. I mean, I don't believe. I. I mean, I pride myself on being on board from from the beginning. So, um, but I want to unpack this for a minute. How do no, you? No, make- I respect that. I respect that, man. My, I went to, to to high school with the lead singer of the Spin Doctors, and I knew he had it when he was in a coffee shop in Princeton, New Jersey. I was like. Man, you are it. And he, yeah, there was. I was there from the beginning. I just I remember what I mean. The and but what what I love about I mean, so many things I love about Eminem. But it was amazing to watch him. He's one of the only artists I've seen where he just every he he's changed. You can see the change. Like he yep. he's like progressed and gotten better. You know. Yep each yeah. album damn, and it, his writing damn is good insane. to begin with damn yeah good to begin i know with. he was great but it's like and then he went different and then it was like he was so good he had an era he had like this phase where he was just kind of like doing weird voices because he didn't yeah. he was like bored and didn't know what to yeah. do anymore he's just like well what he, he should was, have done is started reading shakespeare and started working on shakespeare with me but he can make <laughs> up for that he can make up for that but i got a question how do you say there's some sort of connection you feel like he's influenced by shakespeare Eminem. Your colleague just said it. Your colleague just said it. He wrote he was great, but each one next play was greater. Oh, like the only, okay. The only, like they are of a kindred spirits. Also, the speed, the intensity, but you get all of it into your head faster and better. Why? When you talk to a good friend, when you talk to a good friend who you know wants to hear what's going on, you talk slower. Fuck no. Mm-hmm. You go crazy fast. You're like, yeah. oh my god, then the bitch did this, and then the fucker did this, and then the fucking shit. This, this, this. You know, you're going, going, and going, and going, and going. Right? That's the speed at which your mind can communicate. That's the speed and the rhythm that that Eminem uses, and that Shakespeare must have. Well, Absolutely. and also he, um, I, you know, I've listened to a lot of interviews with him, and he says, which you can hear it if you listen, is like every syllable he's like worked out perfectly mm. and he he was so obsessed for a while with not having one space in between it was just like he filled in what you know with um with anything and he it was just amazing yeah. to see you know let, the, me, lay, yeah, let the, me lay this on you a minute here's the thing realism was invented 300 years after shakespeare fucking died okay so that means that having distance or space between the scenes, like Shakespeare never wrote, and then everything stops, and a bunch of, of people in black come out and rearrange the furniture, and then the fucking action starts again. Never. So if you do Shakespeare where the last syllable of one lot of one scene is the is the cue line for the next scene, and you never let any space between the scenes, the whole thing suddenly lights up and makes sense, exactly like Eminem. Oh. Wow. So is that kind of you can watch it in your, you know, your um, versions of Hamlet and Macbeth that you put, you know, the film versions, it just seems kind of seamless and it keeps going almost like a long. Just like Shakespeare wrote it. Where where oh, are you that's... on? Where are you on the Shakespeare comedies? Have you done any of those? I directed a Midsummer Night's Dream uh, once a year for 25 years in Washington Square Park. Wow. It was my first big hit. First big hit. Uh, ben Brantley, who had then become the head, the lead critic of, of the New York Times, was reviewed me in 1994 with that show. <clears throat> uh, so I've directed him at Summer Night Dream Total. I mean, I blushed for a minute, but it's probably like because there's a couple of international productions. I mean, I may have directed, so I'm pushing 30 times I've directed at Summer Night Dream. Also, Twelfth Night. Also, by the way, if, if you don't laugh at parts of Hamlet, it was directed badly because mm-hmm. to, to handle that kind of heavy, heavy story, Shakespeare writes some funny bits, 
there's a whole bit with the gravedigger. You left that out, <laughs> you lose, man. It's like there are funny parts. But he's joking about death and identity, which are both the things that all the tragedy is talking about, too. You know, anyway, I don't mean to make it a lecture, but I'm just saying there's funny parts in the tragedy. There's some damn funny parts in Macbeth or you ain't doing it right. Do you think um, so? What what would, what would you say is like a big the um, the common mistake a lot of actors will make when they approach doing Shakespeare? Because, you know, I remember, you know, I studied acting. I, and we would I love do... actors. I love actors. I can't blame the actors. I'd love to. But, but is really it just it's, it's so intimidating. I mean, like, I just remember when I was doing some shit, it just was very intimidating because I just yes. didn't think I yeah. I didn't know how to do it. So and yes. I felt like I had to yes. put on almost like a British accent or something. You don't. You don't. You don't, you don't. I, I, but you don't, it's like you don't. You, don't, you, you just don't. immediately. How do you approach like as an as someone who's never done it, like an actor? How would how do you direct them to? approach it at first to get the more forget comfortable everything forget all the shit you ever heard about shakespeare get the lines get the lines and start memorizing them yeah that's that the hard part hard. <laughs> yeah do it you do it but the thing is at a certain point when you're pushing it and you do it and you start getting it you get these little bits and chunks you realize shakespeare is reaching out toward you as you're reaching towards shakespeare shakespeare didn't have directors he wrote the direction into the lines Shakespeare was an actor. He played the ghost in Hamlet. We know a couple of roles he played. He is on your side. Yes, it's hard. Some some jackasses say Shakespeare needs to be translated. Shut the fuck up. It's English. <laughs> it's just better English than you. Okay? Get to it. Bring yourself higher. It's the director's fault. It's not the actor's fault. The director's. The first thing you say to a director when they say, hey, I'm directing Shakespeare. The first thing out of people's mouths is, oh, how, how what's your cut? How are you cutting it? How much are you cutting it? When you cut Shakespeare, what you're saying is you think you're a better fucking shape play playwright than he is. Number one, <laughs> and number two, you're telling the story that you're you were able to understand because you weren't able to understand the play. I don't think that the lack of ability to understand a play is a great qualification for directing the fucking play. Like bringing yourself up to Shakespeare, but as soon as you try that work and you really get into it, you suddenly realize like you do enough work. He starts lifting you up and it, it and it flies and it flies. And you start thinking to yourself, how would Eminem do this monologue? And then you do that and it just, and it flies, man, it flies. And look, the people that are the best at doing it in the theater are the best at doing it on, in my films. And, it, and, and, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, are we all going to make multi-million dollars? No, we're not. But, you know, it's what attracts a guy like William Daniels to be in Richard III. Like we just mm -hmm. cast William Daniels as the ghost of uh, of of of, um, of Henry the Sixth, and like, yeah, mm -hmm. oh, you mean wait, William Daniels, the guy who was in the original Broadway cast of 1776 as Adams? You mean the guy who was on Saint Elsewhere, the guy who was on mm -hmm. Boy Meets World, like that guy? And I'm like, yeah, that guy, Knight Rider. That guy, <laughs> Knight Rider, Knight Rider. The whole time we were trying to cast him, I kept hearing the. Dun -dun 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 we just, we head, just, right? we just interviewed uh, his wife uh, like last week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love her. She's great. She's great. She's so, fantastic. I got She's another. So, do you like when it comes to Shakespeare? Do you like the other versions? Like, do you prefer Romeo and Juliet to West Side Story, or you you don't think it's the same thing? Or no, I no, I I love that. This is, this is what I love. What I love is when somebody takes Shakespeare's plots and does another show with a different title and different setting. That's great. You know why? That's, that's what Shakespeare did. Mm. He would read a story and then he would turn it into a play, or he takes somebody else's play that frankly kind of sucked. And he'd write his own that was better about the same historical material, right? That's great. That's adapting or just, that's just writing. That's great. What I hate is when somebody says, 
come in here. here t- we want your money and we want you to pay to see William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And then you walk in and it's like, it's not the same story. It's cut so many different ways. It's set in a whole different place that he wouldn't have even known of. And I mean, come on, you know, if you're going to do the Tempest in space, give it a new name and, and make it better, you know, make, use that. Cause Shakespeare would have been like Tempest in space. I can do that. And, you know, and like write a new, you know, he would have taken advantage of that milieu to make something new. I just think it's a real ripoff when you're like, you pay to go see Macbeth and then you walk in and all the actors are dressed like hippies from the sixties and they're like smoking bongs and you're like, what? And then the words are like not making real sense because they've been cut to hell. My, my feeling is write it. If you want to do that to Shakespeare, write a new play. That's what has integrity. Well, that, wasn't, do you, what do you well, have wasn't a Tempest in space? Wasn't Tempest in space? The empire strikes back. Pretty sure that was what that was. No, I'm sure. Joking. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, no, but yeah, yes. In, 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 in the spirit. Yes. <laughs> do you think, I know this not to harp on it, but do you think Eminem could do Shakespeare? Well, I mean, obviously you might, you, but you That's really, why I've been trying to get in touch with him for 14 years now. And you do think I'm not can, lying. Dude, not hyperbole no, no, I don't think, but I mean, like, he did I crank yankers. He did crank yankers. He can do Shakespeare. Come on. I, um, he doesn't think that he's good enough. He doesn't think that he's good enough. He knows that Shakespeare is the only writer better than him. And the only writer that, that he can't put a patch on, you know, He's, he, he knows that that Shakespeare is that thing. And, and I think he feels a class barrier. He's like, I, you know, a guy like me can't do that. And I'm saying a guy like you has everything you need to do that. You've got the talent, the intelligence. You can play characters, right? Did, did he not play a character on Five Mile? Yes, he did. He did it well. So I'm saying, look, get, let me sign a non-disclosure agreement. Let's put our, let's go to school for a month. And if you don't fall in love with this shit, I will shut the fuck up and go away. And it's just taking, you know, 14 years, maybe, you know, hey, I hope he listens to your show. I think, um, yeah, probably. Um, he, he's <laughs> one of those closet fans. I, um, he, um, I would say, I, I would think, first of all, I think he's, you know, uh, he's, he's an amazing artist and he does put himself out there a lot. But I do think he's someone that would feel like he had a lot to lose by looking doing something that made him look kind of foolish because he's, he's a rapper deep down. And I think there's a lot of like, I can't look weak or do something that's like vulnerable and like, might he's right about bad. all that. He's right about all that. This is the ultimate challenge. This is the thing that could break him. This is the thing that could make him sink. The thing that could make him fall absolutely back to the bottom. I dare him to do it. I know he can do it. Wow. Okay. I'll let him know. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you are his biggest fan. Well, actually, you might be his biggest fan. Christopher might be. <laughs> I'm just I some mean, guy who knows he can do Shakespeare. I, I know he can do Shakespeare. I, I have taught Shakespeare at Princeton. I have coached some of the best. Uh, this rookie is a kid I want to coach. I want to work with him. Look, my philosophy of directing is the Vidal Sassoon philosophy. If you don't look good, I don't look good. <laughs> so if he suddenly says, look, man, I'm going to play Petruchio in your Taming of the Shrew, then I'm going to be like, well, it's not your challenge anymore. It's our challenge. You're going to be the be, face. I mean, obviously, do you mean because when you, when you listen to him, the, the his rap flow, it's like kind of um, unmatched, and the way he because I 
I became he's obsessed the greatest with the poet since Shakespeare. Well, I mean, and I, I, I agree. I, I mean, his lyrics are unbelievable and his, his speed and how he switches everything up. His flow is like, is unmatched. And, um, oh, well, it's bettered by Shakespeare, but it's unmatched in our current. Well, I mean, I'm talking about like in, you know, rappers that I listen in music yeah, and rap, sure, but, sure. um, when he, fair. um, that's fair. I, you know, I get really, I'll listen to his, his fastest verses and it's not even his fastest verses. That I think I love the ones that are kind of steady, but he's he there's no space like i was talking about before every there's a syllable for every yep. space but yeah i it's try and rap, pentameter yeah and yeah. i try and rap along with it and it, even listening to it someone pre-recorded it and i can't say all the words so that's what and i've seen him do you know and you're like well that must be studio stuff but i've seen him online do it live it's like blows my mind so tell you what how about how about mr mathers and i Put our heads together, and then we go and get Brian Tyree Henry to play Othello, and we get Mr. Mathers to play Iago. And I'll tell you why, because Iago has a speech where he comes out where everything is going his way, and he's super hyper-pumped about it. And the actor that I got to play it the last time I directed did it every bit, beat for beat, as fast as Eminem can speak, and it was delightful and wonderful. And I think the only person who maybe could do it better is, is, uh, is Mr. Mathers. So do you did you direct Brian Tyree in um Shakespeare? I wish I had. No such luck. I watched him. I was a fan. I was constantly like, please. Here's one weird thing. I'll give you another weird thing about the drama school is in the drama school, the directors do a lot of debating about like how important is casting. You know, I was always like 90% motherfuckers, 90%, and some of them like 40%, 50%. But none of us said that casting wasn't the most important thing, right? Here's the deal: the acting department casts your directing projects. Even your mm. thesis. Oh, really? Really? Yep. So when I did Head of Gabbler for my thesis, I mean, I got, I mean, well, I went into that and I said, hey, you've got 36 fantastic actors. I can't really go wrong. Pull them out of a hat. Do whatever you need to do. I'm good. But but I was a professional director by that point. So for other people, it was a point of contention. But isn't that weird? The acting department casts the shows. So if I went in and they were like, well, so who are you thinking? I was like, Brian Tyree Henry, please. They'd be like, "Well, we were kind of thinking this other guy, maybe because he needs to challenge more, blah blah blah, or whatever." So, well, isn't that doesn't get frustrating? Because I feel like you know directors are very. Hey, I worked with Malik Panchuli. Malik Panchuli was cast in one of my shows. He's amazing. I, I, I have no complaints about the casting laws there. I'm just saying, if I had had a chance, I probably would have chosen Brian Tyree Henry, but I didn't get the chance. So, yeah, I think I would have. By the way, my wanted. offer for him to play Othello is binding, and if his his agent would like to get in touch with me. Let's do it. <laughs> he should. He should do that because I feel like you know he he's really having a moment and he's a lot. You know he's getting a lot of attention. I, I think he did something like that out of left field. People would most people would be like, wait a minute, this guy is like on another level. Because <clears throat> I think a lot of people don't really think of him as maybe he's like a Yale trained um, uh, actor. But he's an extraordinary. Yeah. Can you I, can, can you make a list or if you have one or maybe not. Top five Shakespeare plays, or you can't. I was going to ask what what would you say is your, but I mean, well, I let me say, you... well, let me say one thing about that first, if I may. It's the mm. the American Theater Magazine publishes a list every year of the most produced playwrights in America, mm. and every year, you know, it shifts a little. You know, uh, Angels in America was big for a while, and so on, and so on. Um, but you know what? They have published the same paragraph for a long time, like well over a decade, maybe decades, and like it's a paragraph, and it says. 
This is the list of the most produced playwrights in America, except for fucking Shakespeare, because he's <laughs> always at least 10 times more as any of the next motherfucker down. Right. right? Who are some of the so, others? Yeah. Like Arthur Miller? Yeah, it goes. It comes and goes. It comes and goes. You know, Sarah Rule right now, she's really big. She's fantastic. Um, you know, there's... there's I like all those... Know, all, all kinds all- of- August Wilson, he he has a lot of good ones. Yeah, August Wilson's fantastic, and he's getting yeah, and he's always in that list these days. Of course he is, you know. Of course he is. I met August Wilson at the Yale School of Drama, and oh, wow. that's the thing that's the best about it is that you are busting your nuts with these great people. You're doing theater, which you love to do anyway. You're able to do it twenty four seven, which is all you want to do with your life anyway. That's all great, but every once in a while, you realize you're on a mountaintop, and like the greatest of the greatest, like will pop into your class to like talk with you for a minute wow! and you will meet August Wilson and you will meet the greatest artistic directors and you will meet, you know, you know, yeah. Leah Schreiber will just blow in for a day. <laughs> Great. Hey man, talk to us about when you were here, blah, blah, blah. You know? So, and then when you're out of it, you're like, wow, I had like that moment where I could be on that mountaintop and just look and see these people. But did you ever have, did you ever have that experience with someone that was just super intimidating? Was there someone that was just like, I can't believe this person is like someone who gets intimidated very easily. <laughs> he was in um, Kuwait. All right. He's not going to be scared of Liev Schreiber, even though he's great. Definitely not story. with that body language. <laughs> Ray Donovan isn't going to scare him as much as uh, Kuwait. But that's what I mean. There was for someone like you probably doesn't seem to get easily intimidated. Was there one that maybe surprised you that you were like, Oh wow. Would if you like, if you worked with Marshall Mathers would that, would that be intimidating at all? I wouldn't have time to get intimidated because I'd be having the fucking time of my life. <laughs> that guy doesn't run into people who think that fast that often. And as long as we're in the area of Shakespeare and doing the show and stuff, I'm going as faster, faster than him. You know, we can work together. It will just be a matter of, it's a wonderful relationship with an actor because you're just like the, the titles dissolve. You know, he has an idea of, directing maybe i can work that in i've got these ideas about acting and he's like oh oh and then i could do this and this and that that magic happens man i would love to well if you couldn't it. get so, him uh, someone know, someone else out. i think might be good is uh, vanilla ice i think he'd be good at shakespeare <laughs> too no. fuck off no i'm just no. kidding yeah yeah jesus christ man no that's uh, funny though yeah oh thank um, well, if you if you have eminem top in uh shakespeare's <laughs> what top shakespeare's though yeah, yeah hell yeah you know because because like i've directed hamlet five times now Hamlet, it's the essential play about identity, which all the greatest plays are about identity. You know, five miles about identity. Am I wrong? You know, it's like, and it just it just does it in a way that no one's ever approached. Midsummer Night's Dream is definitely a close second for me. For God's sake, I've directed it 25 times. I must fucking love it. It's about people who are underclass, don't believe that they're good enough, who do their work. They make a play and it gets done in front of the Duke. And everything ends great. You know, who doesn't love a great ending like that? Three weddings at the end. That's pretty good. Um, did you ever I, direct? Um, did you ever direct As You Like It? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like As You Like It because of the the transgender humor. Okay. I was I, I, I did that in high school, As You Like It. And um, sure. when you were talking about cutting before the director cut like a lot of a lot of the text. Well, so, um, it's educational is maybe an exception. I want to give your teacher a break, especially, you know, high school teachers. Man, what a hard thing to do. Yeah. But, uh, and also it was it was it was performing arts high school. So it was like a little bit like, but, you know, it was like people who were trained to be actors and stuff. So yeah, I may have to judge them. I may have to judge. Okay, them I mean, them. I think a lot of it was it. Just... sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I think it was just more because we were, the students were having a hard time memorizing a lot of the prose. So I think it was a little bit out of necessity. But I do remember a lot of people were angry when we did the play. A lot of people were like, why did you cut all that? So, and he was like, Mm. well, they couldn't remember it. So, (laughs) I don't know. Sounds like a cop out to me. I liked it because the whole time we did it, I had um, the two ones who were supposed to look alike. I, I was really fortunate to cast two actors who really looked alike, you know, skin tone, hair type, uh, relative height. Um, it was uncanny. Like the two of them, like when I got them in the rehearsal room, they were like, oh my God, this looks more like my sister brother than any of my sister brothers, you know? Because um, identical twins aren't different sexes, but these guys look damn near identical. And uh, it was fun because um, I had like a West Point kind of a jacket on him. So you couldn't see her breasts, you know, just kind of like go out. And he was wearing it too. And then um, and then, then for her in the in the sort of job for kind of um, pants, I put a, a big um, athletic cup, right? So people noticed that through the whole play. And there was some gags on it because Shakespeare does penis humor, which fucking works, right? <laughs> and then at the very end, when she looked at the guy and was like, Oh my God, I could be with him. She like reached down into her pants and took that thing out and threw it over her shoulder. Giant laugh every night. Every night. Nice. You know, very good. We're very, we're very well versed in dick jokes. Yeah. Did you ever like maybe so. do Hamlet once instead of holding the skull? It'd be just be like a dildo or something just to get a cheap laugh. Really or... giant dildo. That'd be good. <laughs> you know, I don't have to because if you don't cut Shakespeare, you leave in the cheap laughs. Shakespeare yeah. writes cheap he writes some really really cheap laughs i promise do you have a favorite like, isn't that uh, a little too cheap and i'm like dude i'll take laughs at any price <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> yeah totally um i uh do you have any like a favorite film apt- adaptation of shakespeare outside of your outside of your own yeah oh yeah definitely mine um Out, uh, outside of that i know i know i know <laughs> Like a number three besides under I, those I know, two. I know, I know. Because people I always know. said Olivier was the Hamlet. He's up, he's up, he's up, he's up. I get it. I what do you think of Olivier's Hamlet? That's the one that they used it's to. Up, it's of a time. It's of a time and of a place. And he speaks really slowly as if the people he's speaking to are so fucking stupid that they don't understand English. But he's really beautiful. And you got to remember that that was a time of, of when black and white films were the only films. So he did look handsome and beautiful, and he really did bring an awful lot of people to Shakespeare. So my hat is off. Um, no question, you know. And I love a lot of things about Kenneth Branagh. I just don't know why he. God, you know, Kenneth Branagh's fucking Hamlet is four hours long, and the fucker cut the damn thing. I'm like, what? Especially with all those gorgeous actors and all that text to just live in and deal with and eat and love and. You know, I just I don't. So I love him as an actor and just as a director. I'm like, why are you making this so slow? Um, favorite Shakespeare play other than mine? Apocalypse Now? No, wait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Romeo and Juliet. Did you like the? I'm Baz not going to lie to you. I did like Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Actually, oh, yeah. um, I was a big fan of it at the time because I don't really like the idea of Shakespeare being turned into a character. I think it's kind of, it's not really done really in good faith in a lot of ways. I'm like, Shakespeare is a romantic hero. I, I don't think so. Um, so that came out at this, the same time as Shakespeare in Love. So people would say, well, what do you think? And I'd be like, well, look, Shakespeare in Love is a really good movie, but I'm on the side of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet because he tried to tell the story of Romeo and Juliet. I mean, he made a rookie mistake. You don't put guns into Shakespeare. It doesn't work. I don't even care if you call them, you know, 
the cute little name of a sword on the gun. It just doesn't work, man. I've been around guns enough. We all know, you know, when a gun is in a room, it's not the same thing as even a sharp sword in the hand of a skilled user. It's just not the same. It's not the same, you know, and, and Shakespeare sets all of his plays in the same place, which is Shakespeare's crazy imagination. You know, nobody in anywhere in, in Italy ever spoke English, you know, in Mantua, much less no one in the entire world has ever spoken exclusively poetry. It's an imaginary place based on historical truth or to tell a story using a Italy of the mind or a Scotland of his mind. You know, you've got to use, you've got to accept his invitation to use your imagination in creating where it is. And I think Baz Luhrmann went a long way in that direction. Look, thing is, I went to the Washington Square Park one day and nobody was doing theater that I wanted to see, which was athletic. It moved from place to place as it went from scene to scene. And you had to get up and goddamn run to the next scene. You know, I've told millions of audiences at this point, a little hustle will get you a front row seat, right? <laughs> That's the way it was. You had to jump up. They already, they're already going over. There's no pause. They're already going over. You got to run and get over there, you know? So at the end of the day, I tried to make theater that I didn't see in the world. So do I see a lot of good things about a lot of Shakespeare films? Probably every single Shakespeare film I see something I like. But generally speaking, I thought they all fucking sucked. And, I, and so I had to make what did not exist in the world, which is the Shakespeare on what I thought was Shakespeare's terms. And at least they're very different terms, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, it's cool that, you know, you're making it more accessible now because, you know, it's like TikTok and stuff that's kind of reaching the young people more. Because I do you feel like maybe, you know, it seems like our life is getting more, I don't know, culture seems to be sort of maybe not as sophisticated as it was in the past. So is that a problem that maybe you feel like it runs into the theater in general, not just Shakespeare, but uh, so reaching kind of a younger generation. It's a challenge. You know Somebody who feels that way can look at my films on their iPhone with their earbuds in. No one can see them doing it. And they're going to feel like their best friends are, are the cast and their faces are telling them these great stories. Um, and that I hope brings Shakespeare to some new people mm. who take a deep breath and think, Hey, I can do that. This was a cool way of doing this. I can do the next coolest thing. Do you have, uh, do is there something you want your, you, you're planning on doing next in the same oh, way? Yeah. Yep. Do you, can you say what it is or are you? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm in production right now for Richard the third, which is played by Joshua Spafford. who's a fantastic theater actor. And I think this is really going to just blow up. He's amazing. He's a Filipino actor. He's incredible. And, um, you know, for me, every single second of the film is I have to live up to the attention of my audience, which means if, if, a, if a character has two lines, he's got to be an amazing actor and make those two lines steal the show. And, and in most, I'm sure you know this, but in most Shakespeare plays, like the whole cast, even if there is like maybe 14 or 15, or if you're doing a film where you don't want to double cast, maybe 16, 18, maybe mm -hmm. Richard the third has 52 speaking roles. Wow. So I'm in the middle of casting that monster and starting to, you know, I'm already starting to rehearse with Josh. I'm already starting to, you know, get, get some test footage going and stuff. We officially start shooting on March 1st. So my next one will be Richard the third with uh, Josh Bafford playing Richard. We've got uh, William Daniels, America's high school teacher, playing the ghost of, of uh, you know, King Henry VI. Come back and deliver some, you know, some teaching at the very end. And that crazy scene at the end, I uh, want to prove to people that Richard III isn't a problem play. It's a fucking brilliant play. And then for uh, ever after that, probably I want to do Othello, 
um, if 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 uh, Marshall Mathers wants to do a play Iago, which by <laughs> the way Iago has by far the more alliance. But so if he wants to play Iago, we can do Othello first. Or if he wants to play Patricio, we can do uh, Taming the Shrew first. I kind of think he's going to like Iago better. It's actually more challenging. <laughs> um, um, but both I, of those plays, I, are, you know, I want to do every single Shakespeare in the entire canon this way. So that's whatever thirty six plays. Uh, I have one more question, and we'll we'll wrap it up soon. But um, so in Shakespeare now, <clears throat> the trend is like you said, you have a Filipino actor playing a role that I guess was was originally written for a white English person. Let's say. Um, that's all he has access to. Right. And uh, but that's and that's good. That's a great trend now. But notice, I don't know if you have an opinion on this but new trend. Writes. Where they're, they're saying this type of uh, person must be played by this type of person. Like, you know, you know, it's kind of going on a lot in Hollywood. I do. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. What do you have your opinion well, on that? Is, yeah. Well, that's about copyright, you know, because the, the, the playwright gets to say who, who is the role. You know, the right. playwright owns a copyright of the play. Film writers don't. So it's like a very different dialogue. And for me, um, Shakespeare writes gender in a stylized way, right? Because it was only be men, right? So men are playing women. Here's the thing. If the men are playing the women, right? And the But if the women are then stylized, right? They have to be because they're being played by men. But then if you don't stylize the male characters, then you have a whole group of stylized characters and a whole group of unstylized characters, and it just wouldn't go together. So Shakespeare stylizes all the characters. They all speak poetry. They all condense time. They all just, you know, they they speak what they're thinking. They speak on their thoughts, a lot like rap, right? Um, so at the end of the day, you know, you have a lot of leeway to enter that imaginary space with somebody who's a great actor. And, and look, in 19... Uh, no, fuck, it's not, it wasn't... It was. I was about to say '92, but that's a lie because I'm older than that. It's actually fucking 1989, right? I started doing my first. I did my first professional show in New York City in 1986, right? I was like, I want to see everyone, and I want to cast the best actors, and I did so. And they ended up being black, Latino, white, Asian. I just I, on a level playing field, I took the best, and I tried to create what I saw on the subway, transposed into the beauty of art because that was beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be an anti-racist. I'm all about it. My 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 relative. I have relatives who own slaves. It's horrible and it's, yeah, terrible. But at the end of the day, I'm learning anti-racism because I, I was somebody who cast with all the actors just to what I thought was the best ones. And when I looked for the best actors, they turned out to be from a huge spectrum of different backgrounds, races, ethnicities, uh, socioeconomic classes. Also, whether they've done Shakespeare before or not, I didn't care. And so you know, at the end of the day. Uh, with with the argument you're talking about, like um, it's a different thing because that's a contemporary story, and and we have a whole different expectation of realism on plays and films that are written for realism than we do for Shakespeare because Shakespeare was written 300 years before realism. Mm. Right, right, huh? Um, okay, it's all about style, style. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, we got to wrap this up. I uh... I love this. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, thanks you, for coming on. This is, do you have uh, anything else you want to plug or push uh, at the end here? Yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, you can go to Gorilla Rep Theater. Gorilla Rep Theater, all one word, E-R, GorillaRepTheater.org slash Macbeth. And that's where the VOD for Macbeth is. Come on, check us out. Yeah, check it out. Um, and uh, I want to thank uh, Christopher Carter Sanderson for taking the time and talking oh, to us and guys. answering all our questions. We appreciate you My being pleasure. here.
I Anytime. Hope I, hope, I hope Richard the Third blows it out and you want to have me back. I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. And if you uh, if you get in touch with Marshall Mathers, please let us know. Uh... <laughs> and vice versa. Tell, tell oh, him yeah, I, need him, I, need, I need him for a yard room. <laughs> I, I will definitely if i ever meet him that'll be the first thing that i bring up <laughs> and he'll be he's totally no, not weird i i'm sure and he would be way, like I, ex- I i apologize in advance if he like grabs you at an event and like tell that sanderson motherfucker to shut the fuck up about things here. Like, well i think I'm if sorry. i i think if i approach him and say hey uh Sanderson needs you for Yago. I think he would be kind of taken aback. I, I guarantee no fans ever open with that. <laughs> but <laughs> and on that laugh, let's send let's send let's end there. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. All right, later.